0: China and the U.S. resume military-to-military communications. How have communications improved in the past couple years? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning we bring you the defense and national security news of the day.
1: This is going to dominate that conversation. This isn't something that he's going to be able to avoid when he comes up and testifies before Congress if, if he makes it that far.
0: And the first Democratic lawmaker calls for Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's resignation. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is Thursday, January 11th, 2024. First up, U.S. and Chinese military leaders have been meeting in Washington this week. It is the first time this particular meeting has happened since 2021. Pentagon reporter Noah Robertson is here to bring us more details. So, NOAA, first the U.S. and China, two of the biggest military powers, superpowers in the world, had their respective military officials meet. Just how big of a deal is that?
2: It's the fulfillment of a large and longstanding Pentagon priority that's been... On the books ever since china severed military to military communications a year and a half ago following nancy pelosi the former house speaker's visit to taiwan she was the senior most official from the u.s in years to visit the island which china considers a rogue province which will one day be reunited with the mainland since then the U.S. and the officials in the Pentagon have been calling for talks to resume, in large part because they consider the potential for conflict between the U.S. and China, who operate in similar regions like the South China Sea and around the Taiwan Strait, to be high for conflict. So they've been calling for this, Pentagon officials, ever since the talks were severed as a sign of protest from the Chinese. But the Chinese, in large part, haven't Listened to those entreaties. That is until a November 15 summit between President Joe Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping near San Francisco, in which they agreed to resume the talks. There were three forums that they agreed to resume, mostly at the highest levels of military leadership between both countries. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, CQ Brown, restarted his talks with his Chinese counterpart in December, and this DPCT, the Defense Policy Coordination Talks,
0: restarted in January. And what did officials say were the contents of the discussions? Were there any big announcements? They told reporters.
2: There were no big announcements regarding further communications, though the next set of talks that are likely to resume focus on maritime security between both nations as they operate in similar regions. The talks themselves did not come with any major announcements, though Pentagon officials would say the restarting of them is itself a major announcement on its own. The talks were split into two days, both of which occurred in Washington. These talks are occurring for the first time in person since 2020, the last of which happened in Beijing. During 2021, they took place, but only virtually due to the COVID-19 pandemic and to the lockdowns associated with that. The first quarter of that was dedicated to scheduling the rest of the year in terms of the calendar of communications that would take place between the two of them, and then The following three quarters were focused on policy, things like behavior from North Korea, Chinese behavior toward Philippine vessels in the South China Sea, the war in Ukraine, and also U.S. policy toward Taiwan.
0: Another important story, lawmakers are launching an investigation into the secrecy surrounding Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's hospitalization. Bringing us the latest, Capitol Hill Bureau Chief Leo Shane III sits down with us. So Leo, a congressional committee announced an investigation into Secretary Austin's lack of disclosure, first about his hospitalization, then second about his initial prostate cancer diagnosis. What are lawmakers saying about this inquiry?
1: Yeah, look, the White House is sort of hoping that this will go away, that, you know, now that we know uh, Secretary Austin's cancer diagnosis and what the situation was, that they can just sort of move past it. But Congress doesn't seem interested in letting go of this, especially Republicans on Capitol Hill. Uh, House Armed Services Committee announced uh, late on Tuesday that they will do a formal inquiry into, um, into the whole situation, finding out who knew what when. Uh, they're looking not only into Secretary Austin's actions, but also his chief of staff, who uh, was uh, apparently told about this almost uh, as soon as he ended up in the hospital, but um, because of her own illness, did not share that information. Uh, they've asked the th- deputy secretary, uh, Kathleen Hicks, for for information on when she knew things and, uh, and when she disclosed things. Um, the Republicans over in the Senate Armed Services Committee have also asked for additional information um, and I think this is just the the beginning. I think we're gonna see some more formal inquiries, more formal requests from uh from leadership, at least Republican leadership and you know the secretary is scheduled to be on Capitol Hill in a few weeks to talk about the the budget priorities for next fiscal year and Uh, the needs of the military, Uh, this is going to dominate that conversation. This isn't something that he's going to be able to avoid when he comes up and testifies before Congress if if he makes it that far.
0: But the pressure is also mounting too, right? I mean, just yesterday, the... Initially, partisan call for Austin to resign became a bipartisan call.
1: Yeah, look, uh, Representative Chris Deluzio, a Democrat out of Pennsylvania who sits on the Armed Services Committee, he became the first Democrat to come out and say that Austin needs to resign, saying that he lost trust in Secretary Austin's leadership as a result of his his lack of transparency here. Uh, we've seen articles of impeachment filed by uh, Representative Matt Rosendale of Montana, Republican. Uh, this isn't the first time that Republicans in the House have tried to impeach uh, Secretary Austin. There was a similar effort uh, last August uh, over his handling of the Afghanistan withdrawal. So, you know, some of that can be written off as just a political theater here. Um, but we are starting to hear some some significant names. Uh, Lee Stefanik uh, in the House leadership, uh, House Republican leadership, uh, she came out on Wednesday and said, uh, look, he's got to go and anybody who who helped uh, cover this up has got to go, too. So, you know, this is this is going to be uh, a drumbeat here. And in an election year where uh, where Republicans and Democrats are looking for any edge they can in the presidential election, this is something the White House is, is going to have to contend with and the Pentagon is going to have to contend with uh, for months um, as as uh, folks really call into question just why Secretary Austin decided to, to keep this information secret as long as he did.
0: Also on your radar for today, U.S. Navy assets in the Red Sea fought off another Houthi attack in the Red Sea late Tuesday. U.S. Central Command called it one of the most complex Houthi attacks since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. Yemen's Houthi rebels fired a barrage of drones and missiles targeting ships. CENTCOM said F-A-18 Super Hornets from the aircraft carrier Dwight D. Eisenhower, as well as the destroyers Gravely, Mason, and Laboon, downed 18 drones, two cruise missiles, and an anti-ship missile. The British warship HMS Diamond also helped defend against the attack. There were no injuries or damage reported. The Houthis did not formally acknowledge launching the attacks. Here's why it matters. The Houthis say their attacks are meant to end Israel's offensive in the Gaza Strip. The attacks have targeted ships in the Red Sea, which links the Mideast and Asia to Europe via the Suez Canal and the bab al-Mandeb Strait. Nearly 10% of all oil traded at sea passes through it. An estimated $1 trillion in goods pass through the strait annually. A U.S.-led coalition of nations has patrolled the Red Sea to prevent and defend against attacks. In one incident, American troops sank Houthi vessels and killed 10 rebel fighters. But there's also Yemen's internal politics to consider. The Houthis, an Iranian-backed militia, have held Yemen's capital since 2014. There is a tentative ceasefire between the Iranian-backed Houthis and a Saudi-led coalition fighting on behalf of Yemen's exiled government. Actions by Houthis in the Red Sea increase concerns that a conflict at sea or a reprisal strike from the West could restart fighting on the ground in Yemen. And now, here's some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. The Government Accountability Office will review the safety history of the U.S. military's Osprey Fleet. The review follows a crash that killed Special Operations Airmen off the coast of Japan in November. Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota halted B-1 Lancer flights for at least two weeks. It comes as investigators begin probing what downed one of the bombers in a non-fatal crash last week. The crew of a Coast Guard cutter this week offloaded more than 2,400 pounds of cocaine in Miami. The load had a reported assessed value of approximately $32.2 million. And Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky began a visit yesterday to Baltic nations. Zelensky is seeking more help for his country in its war against Russia. And on this day in history, in 1935, Amelia Earhart, one of the most celebrated aviators, made the first successful solo flight from Hawaii to California. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com slash ebb to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, or a comment wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Simone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by Noah Robertson, Leo Shane III, and the Associated Press. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Bruce. Have a great day.